Hi. In an earlier podcast, we talked about the influences of Dante and Milton on Tolkien. We also uh, talked about the Cimmerillion and um, the ordering of the world uh, by the Valar. Today I'd like to talk about um, the influence of the Norse mythology on Tolkien. And I'd like to start by uh, talking about the Voluspa, which is part of the Poetic Edda. And I'm going to read a section of it which talks about the beginning of the world. So here goes. Hear me, all you hallowed beings, both high and low, of Hengdal's children. Thou wilt, vile father, that I well set forth the fates of the world, which as first I recall. I called to mind the king of Eton's, which long ago did give me life. Nine worlds I know, the nine abodes of the glorious world tree. The ground beneath, in earlier times, did Ymir live. Was nor sea, nor land, nor salty waves. Neither earth was there, nor upper heaven, but a gaping nothing, and green things nowhere. Was the land then lifted aloft by Burr's sons, who made Mythgarth, the matchless earth, shone from the south, the sun on dry land, on the ground then grew the green sword soft. From the south the sun, by the side of the moon, heaved his right hand over heaven's rim. The sun knew not what seed he had, the stars knew not what stead they held, the moon knew not what might she had. Then gathered together the gods for counsel, the holy hosts, and held converse. Tonight and new moon, their names they gave, the morning named, and midday also, forenoon and evening to order the year. On Itha Plain met the mighty gods, shrines and temples they timbered high. They founded forges to fashion gold, tongs they did shape, and tools they made, played at droughts in the, in the garth. Right glad they were, nor aught lacked they of lustrous gold. Till maidens three from the Thruces came, awful in might, from home, To the coast then came, kind and mighty, from the gathered gods three great Acer. On the land they found of little strength, ask and embla unfaded yet. Sense they possessed not, soul they had not, being nor bearing, nor blooming hue. Soul gave Othan, sense gave Honer, being Lothar, and blooming hue, and ash I know, height, Yggdrasil, the mighty tree, moist with white dews, thence came the floods that follow down, evergreen or tops, earth's well this tree, thence wise maidens three betake them, under spreading boughs their bower stands, earth one is height, the other Verthandi, sculled the third, they scores did cut, they laws did make, they lives did choose, for the children of men they mark their fates. And so if we look at this, we can see that um, Tolkien was in fact influenced by some of these North myth, Norse myths, perhaps more so even than some of the English poetry that we mentioned earlier. And you'll notice that um, two things get mentioned here that are important for Tolkien. One is Mythgard, or Middle Earth in Norse mythology, the other one is the tree Yggdrasil, which in Tolkien um, gets made into the two trees 
um, that the Eldar made. Um, now I'd like to turn to um, a book, Myths of the Norsemen, by Helene A. Gerber. And I'd like to read a couple passages from um, this, this uh, book, which also bear on Tolkien, on influencing Tolkien. So I'll, I'll begin with a quote. When questioned concerning the creation of the world, the northern skalds, or poets, whose songs are preserved in the Eddas and sagas, declared that in the beginning, when there was as yet no earth, nor sea, nor air, when darkness rested over all, there existed a powerful being called Allfather, whom they dimly conceived as uncreated as well as unseen, and that whatever he willed came to pass. We just read from the Poetic Edda, which is referenced in this particular quotation, and the quotation also references the uh, Allfather, which um, sort of uh, signifies the, um, the first, uh, the one in Tolkien mythology. So now I'd like to uh, quote again from the book, uh, Myths of the Norsemen. The gods in Northern mythology called Aesir, pillars and supporters of the world, having thus triumphed over their foes and being no longer engaged in perpetual warfare, now began to look about them with intent to improve the desolate aspect of things and fashion a habitable world. After due consideration, Boar's sons rolled Ymir's great corpse into the yawning abyss and began to create the world out of its various component parts. Now Ymir was a great giant and the gods killed him and from his corpse, the gods made various portions of the earth. So to continue uh, quoting from the book, out of the flesh, they fashioned Midgard, Middle Garden, as the earth was called. This was placed in the exact center of the vast space and hedged all round with Ymir's eyebrows for bulwarks or ramparts. The solid portion of Midgard was surrounded by the giant's blood or sweat, which formed the ocean, while his bones made the hills, his flat teeth the cliffs, and his curly hair the trees and all vegetation. Well pleased with the result of their first efforts at creation, the gods now took the giant's unwieldy skull and poised it skillfully as the vaulted heavens above earth and sea. Then scattering his brains throughout the expanse beneath, they fashioned from them the fleecy crowds. To support the heavenly vault, the gods stationed the strong dwarves, Nodri, Sudri, Austri, Westri at its four corners, bidding them sustain it upon their shoulders and from them the four points of the compass received their present names of north, south, east, and west. To give light to the world thus created, the gods studded the heavenly vault with sparks secured from a muspel's hind, points of light, which shone steadily through the gloom like brilliant stars. The most vivid of these sparks, however, were reserved for the manufacture of the sun and moon, which were placed in beautiful golden chariots. We'll go on now and read another section about dwarves and elves. And I'm quoting here. While the gods were occupied in creating the earth and providing for its illumination, a whole host of maggot-like creatures had been breeding in Ymir's flesh. These uncouth beings now attracted divine attention. Summoning them into their presence, the gods first gave them forms and endowed them with superhuman intelligence. 
and then divided them into two large classes. Those which were dark, treacherous, and cunning by nature were banished to Svart Alfaheim, the home of the black dwarves situated underground, whence they were never allowed to come forth during the day under penalty of being turned into stone. They were called dwarfs, trolls, gnomes, or kobolds, and spent all their time and energy in exploring the secret recesses of the earth. They collected gold, silver, and precious stones, which they stowed away in secret crevices, whence they could withdraw them at will. The remainder of these small creatures, including all that were fair, good, and useful, the gods called fairies and elves, and they sent them to dwell in the airy realm of Elfheim, home of the Light Elves, situated between heaven and earth, whence they could flit downward whenever they pleased to attend to the plants and flowers, sport with the birds and butterflies, or dance in the silvery moonlight on the green. And now we'll turn to the creation of man. Although the gods had from the beginning designed Midgard, or Manaheim, as the abode of man, there were at first no human beings to inhabit it. One day Odin, Vili, and Ve, according to some authorities, or Odin, Honir, the bright one, and Lodur, or Loki, fire, started out together and walked along the seashore, where they found either two trees, the ash, ask, and the elm, embla, or two blocks of wood, hewn into rude resemblances of the human form. The gods gazed at first upon the inanimate wood in silent wonder, then, perceiving the use it could be put to, Odin gave these logs souls. Honer bestowed motion and senses, and Lodur contributed blood and blooming complexions. Thus endowed with speech and thought, and with power to love and to hope and to work, and with life and death, the newly created man and woman were left to rule Midgard at will. They gradually peopled it with their descendants, while the gods, remembering they had called them into life, took a special interest in all they did, watched over them, and often vouchsafed their aid and protection. Now there are a couple of points that are interesting here, which Tolkien picked up in his uh, works as well. As I mentioned earlier, there's the concept of the Allfather, which corresponds to the One in Tolkien's mythology. There's also the idea of Midgard, or Middle Garden, or Middle Earth, which corresponds to Tolkien's idea of Middle-earth. There's also the uh, gods, uh, the Aesir, which corresponds to the Valar in Tolkien's mythology. And then you can see the, um, the naming of the dwarves, Nodri, Sudri, Ostri, Westri. And these dwarves were um, charged with supporting the earth. But I think the really interesting part is where we talk about the dwarves, um, that the dwarves came out of Ymir's flesh and that they were, um, they uh, lived underground. They were fond of jewels and gold and silver. And if they came forth in the daytime, they turned into stone. Now, Tolkien changes that a little bit. He has the trolls turn into stone, if you remember, in The Hobbit. Um, the other thing that is important here is the creation of the elves. And the, in, in Norse mythology, the elves and the dwarves are similar, although in Tolkien's mythology they're different. The dwarves were not created at the same time as um, the elves. 
In Norse mythology, the one tree, the tree of life, is called Yudrasil. Tolkien takes this concept and changes it somewhat. He develops two trees, and those two trees are Telperion and Lorelin, and they dwell in uh, Valinor. And these were the two trees uh, where um, the light was made for the Cimmerillians. Uh, the other important distinction is with regard to the dwarves. In um, Norse mythology, the dwarves come from the giant um, Ymir. However, in Tolkien's mythology, the dwarves were made by Alu Ayule um, because he could not wait for the elves to appear in um, Middle-earth. So he made the dwarves himself. In Norse mythology, the elves were similar to the dwarves, as I mentioned earlier, but in Tolkien's mythology, the elves were distinct from the dwarves, and they were the firstborn. He calls them the firstborn in the Cimmerillion. And they, they original, originated in Middle-earth before the sun and the moon were made. The only things that were made at that time were the stars. And so the elves came um, to Middle-earth, they came awake in Middle-earth, when the stars first appeared. And that's why the elves have always loved the stars. Um, it reminds them of their first beginnings, their first awakenings. And this is a portion of Tolkien's mythology that is different than the Norse mythology, the difference between the elves and the dwarves.